This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree-hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Sustainable-ish podcast with me, your host, Jen Gale, and it is episode 145. Today, I am chatting to Andy Hibbert, the CEO and founder of CarShare, which kind of does what it says on the tin and makes car sharing with people in your local community safer and easier. Now, there are lots and lots of benefits to car sharing, not least the environmental ones. And here are a few great stats from the car share website. There are over 40 million cars parked on our roads and driveways in the UK. And on average, they sit idle for 96% of the time. For every one car shared, that's the equivalent of taking 14 cars off the road. So just imagine the benefits that that has in terms of congestion and air pollution and all sorts of other things. And just a 2% switch to car sharing could see carbon emissions drop by 620,000 tonnes. So car sharing is definitely a win-win from the environmental perspective. But how does it actually work and how can we make it easier for more people to either share their own cars or to share other people's cars? Well, that is what Andy is here to tell us all about. This was an absolutely fascinating conversation. And according to industry experts, it is very much or car sharing is very much the direction in which they are anticipating things going. So hopefully this episode will answer all your car sharing questions. Enjoy. Hello, Andy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Joe. Thank you for having me. Really looking forward to diving into this one because I think it's quite different to anything we've done, um, certainly for a long time. We haven't, well, we did EVs over a year ago now. So, and this is sort of cars, so similar, similar thing. But first of all, who are you and what do you do? Okay, well, uh, my name is Andy Hibbert. Um, I am the founder of a business um, that is now called CarShare, which I guess I founded back in 2016 which launched under a uh, name of Car and Away, actually. So Car Share, Car and Away, Car Share now is basically like an Airbnb for cars. So we are building, that's my team and I, a wonderful community of um, owners who wish to share their cars to other people nearby who need to rent them because they can't own them or don't own them. Um, so just a wonderful marketplace where we can sort of do more with less by sharing our cars together. Amazing. Uh, so what's your background? How did you get into this? Okay, that's a, that's a story. Um, so <laughs> my background is travel. Um, so I guess I, I um, was an engineer by my degree, aeronautical engineering, went into British Airways and worked for seven years at British Airways, learning about the airline trade, 
um, and ended up in the kind of sales area looking after pricing. Um, but after seven years, got a bit of an itch and went out to the, the kind of mainstream travel agency world. I worked for STA Travel, which is a student travel youth operator, um, and helped to sort of launch their online business. That was some time ago, you can imagine. But then Expedia launched in the UK. This was at the time when Expedia wasn't anything, and that became something. Uh, we were trying to fight with our own propositions. That was interesting, four years of growing that business and making it go online. Um, and then I kind of put airlines and online together and went to EasyJet. So I headed up there and said, it's only for a short time, actually. Um, but that's all the things that annoy everybody in the sales funnel. So your insurance, your car hire, everything you don't want, but they force you to buy. Um, but it was a, it was an interesting journey about online and, and, and user experience. Um, but then after that, I was um, asked to join a wonderful company called Reed and Mackay, which is a corporate travel management business. So that was nine years um, leading as CEO. That business, um, it was private equity backed. So it was going through quite, uh, I guess, a, a steep growth phase. Um, sorry, I don't even understand what that is. Corporate, say say again, corporate travel management. Corporate travel management. So basically business travel. So right. Companies like um, PwC or, or a bank or a loyal law firm who conduct um, business overseas, they often need um, help and support to organize all their trips, their travels, their arrangements for flights, you know, cars, chauffeurs, hotels. Um, and they kind of change their plans awfully rapidly and, and you know, frequently. Um, so you're kind of trying to sort of keep ahead of that curve by looking after their needs. And for the for the business needs that we looked after, lawyers, insurance brokers and, and financiers, they were, you know, traveling all over the place. They needed to be in a certain seat on a plane, getting to their meetings on time, getting getting back. You know, if there was any disruption, we would often have to sort of rebook them on flights without them even knowing they were being rebooked. So if they turned up to an airport and their flight was canceled, they didn't have to worry. We just sent them a message and said, look, why don't you walk over to this counter, pick up your ticket, you can go on that plane because your plane isn't flying anywhere. So we were very preemptive about that. Now, this is where this whole concept of car sharing started, really, because I guess that business had been running for 50 years. And as I said, it was people flying in business class, people staying in five-star accommodation because they were working very hard and getting chauffeurs to and from the airport. But all of a sudden, we kept hearing this bizarre request for an Airbnb. Now, this is back in 2014, okay? So Airbnb isn't or wasn't what it is today. It was certainly big, but it wasn't prolifically big. Um, but nonetheless, you know, requests were coming in for a lawyer who didn't want to stay in the four scenes in, in, in Manhattan, wanted to go downtown Manhattan to a loft conversion. It's like, what? So I went on a plane um, to America, um, and I hired a car to get around to five other travel agencies like ourselves to ask them, what was this Airbnb concept and how important is it and should we be taking more note of it? Um, in hiring a car, like many people, millions of people, I would say, I joined a queue, got to the front of the queue, uh, and then my car wasn't ready. Um, so I was forced to pay $200 extra for a bigger car that I didn't need. But I had to go on. I couldn't wait an hour and a half, two hours for them to fire my smaller car. So I just had to pay up and go. Quite a stressful experience. There's a queue behind you, and you never want to kind of delay anybody any further. So off you went. Three days later, I was completely overwhelmed by how Airbnb had penetrated, you know, the travel sector just by sharing a room, a house, you know, a property, be it on a beach or be it downtown in Manhattan. Lots of people were choosing to do it because it was different and a nice alternative, home from home, as they say today. Um, Go back to the airport, overwhelmed by this wonderful kind of incredible business model that are created out of just thousands of different properties, all privately owned. And I had my car back at the um, car rental depot, Again, another terrible experience. I was then accused that I damaged the bumper, another $100. I was like, I didn't do that. I'm like, well, we, we can see it scratched. And I couldn't prove that it wasn't scratched when I took it. You know, you just don't think. 
So $300 down, I'm really fuming about car rental, get to the airport eventually, waiting for my flight. I looked out of the window as I was contemplating this Airbnb wonderful phenomenon and this car rental atrocious poor service never changed for 50 years. And at that point, I just looked out and saw this sea of parked cars, like 10,000 parked cars. I went, oh, crikey, why, why can't we share these cars just like people are starting to share their homes? You know, if that's Jen's car in the car park there, um, I can take Jen's car and I can offer it to someone else to rent while Jen's on holiday, which means that rather than the car gathering dust while Jen's away, the car could be making money for Jen. And that exact car, that, that, that whatever it could be, let's call it a Ford Fiesta just for ease. Um, I can make sure that renter gets that Ford Fiesta. It's not this car or similar. Haven't got my, haven't got your car. How about this car? It's like, this is Jen's car. How wonderful. And if I can create that space in the airport, that capacity, so the car is no longer in the car park. I've actually created car parking capacity without building a car park. So this whole concept started to really snowball. I thought, this is massive. I wonder how many millions of cars are parked at airports right now that we could do this with. Jumped on the plane. And, and this was an itch that was too big to scratch. I had to sort of leave what I was doing. Um, so thought about that and thought, how can I sort of transition out of the business I was leading to go and do this over here? Um, and work those things out with that company. But at the same time, I also fathomed that it wasn't just airports where cars were parked most of the time. Um, they're parked on our streets, on our driveways, and are seldom used. And I think you know the statistics now, Jen, but cars are probably only used 4% of their life. That's so mad, 90, isn't it? Yeah, 96% of the time, they, they kind of they turn our streets and driveways into mass car parks. And I thought, this is crazy. You know, We are literally wallpapering our planet with unused cars, and it can't carry on because th- there's no more space, and it's daft. It's just a really chronic inefficient um, ownership model. We should be really thinking differently about how we own and use cars. And, and that, that was it. That was the catalyst for me about, I've got to go and do something about this. The opportunity looks to be significant, huge, exciting, change behavior for the world about how we view cars and how we can together make such a massive difference if we start to use them differently. Wow. So that was six years ago. Was that, did you say yeah. that was 2016 when you had that sort of, wow, let's, let's make this happen? Well, 2014 um, was the idea. Oh, okay. and then 2016, it was the, I got out of where I was because I had to transition from that business and help them through the succession. So I kind of did that in, in a way that was good for them and good for me. But 2016, we, we started to build from an idea on a bit of paper to how do we do this? How do we start this business? Mm. Uh, we needed, um, and that was then the journey. We launched the first car sharing business under and that we'd launched back in 2017. That was at airports. So we went back to our original idea. Let's start sharing cars at airports. We thought it would be a great place to start because there are millions of people parking cars every year that simply gather dust. And there are millions of more people coming into airports that get a similar terrible experience to my rental experience that we thought we could offer an alternative to. Um, and if we could convince an airport to, to do this because it helps them with capacity when their car parks are full, we're on to a winner. And we managed to do all that. We got Gatwick Airport to say, we like the sound of this. We, we so Gatwick the- was the first one you got on board? Yeah, they, they really warmed to the idea of building capacity through through renting cars out from their car park, but also offering kind of their customers an alternative that was, a, a I guess, a sustainable alternative to parking and renting. Yeah. Um, so they, they loved that concept and realized it was a bit wacky. But if we could prove we could do it, then they would stick with it and grow with us. Um, so that's when it launched back in November 17. I think just coming up to pre-COVID, we were always wanting to launch a service that allowed you to share your car from home, but hadn't quite got there yet. But we were going to use the airport customers that had shared at the airport and then obviously had returned home um, to activate them 
at home to share their car there as well. But then COVID came along and, you know, we launched Bristol. We had two other airports in the UK we were due to launch. We spoke to 15 European airports that were really excited about this new concept. And all of a sudden, March the 20th or thereabouts, 2020, the world literally stopped. So that's when our airport operation effectively um, was suspended. Yeah. Um, not indefinitely. It's coming back online again. But then we had to think, well, what can we do now? Because ultimately, there's still um, a lot of cars, or millions of cars, in fact, 32 million cars in the UK privately owned that are gathering dust at their homes. Um, rather than go via the airport to stimulate the awareness, why don't we just go straight to home? Mm. I think that's where we had a massive pivot and sort of changed kind of and accelerated the part of the proposition that allows you as an owner to share your car off your street or driveway um, with what we call a keyless technology. Talk to me about how the the model works. Say for me, if I want to rent a car, how do I, what do I do? Yeah, so you're, you're a great user. You come on, you find us. The principle is we need to verify you to make sure you, your criteria checks. So you have to be over a certain age. You have to have a certain number of points or less on your license. You have to be driving. You have to have a certain number of points on your license. <laughs> or less. So you, I, I, there's probably a better way to say that. You can't have over three points on your license. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. So you have to have three or less points. Um, yeah. Zero is better. Um, in fact, there's very few people who have more than three points, but there are some. And, of course, they pose a, they pose a greater risk. So you, you sign up on the platform. You go through those checks. They're all automated. Basically, you load up your driving license and we do the rest. So then you check out and let that you're eligible for renting tick everyone little cheer once you're past that that little um that post you can then literally search for any car in and around where you live um if you find one that you like you can book it and within probably half an hour to an hour you can walk up to that car get into that car and you can access it just using your mobile phone so the phone becomes your digital key it checks your face so we do a facial recognition check so we'll say does jen's face um, represent a true line as to what's on her license. Um, so that's. Oh, God, that's, mine doesn't. My license is really old. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised how your face and your spatial kind of bits between your eyes don't change so much. Okay, so maybe, that's good. You know, things change, but like these, these, these systems are pretty intelligent. So, so that being the case, it recognizes who you are, the, the car will unlock, and then you're in and, and you rent. So you use the phone as your, as your lock and unlock. That's your mm. digital key. And then if the car is the push button, start, stop. That just happens, you know, you're in the car, you press the button to start it and stop it. You get out, you lock the car with the phone. If the car needs a key in the barrel, which is the traditional old style, there will be a dead key. And we call it a dead key because all it will do, it will turn the car in the barrel. It won't mobilize the car. So it doesn't work unless you have opened the car with the phone. But once you're in there, you can use that key and you can drive. So basically, you can access these cars 24-7, any, you know, around from where you live using your phone. That's the beauty of it. You know, you don't have to go to a counter. Yes. You don't have to join a queue. You don't get this car or similar crap. Um, you don't get charged at extras. Everything you've got is on your phone here. Um, and we call it like having, you know, imagine a garage of cars in your pocket. How many cars are on there? And I'm thinking, again, is this one of those, these systems tend to always start off in kind of big cities and seem to work really well in big cities. And then if you're slightly more rural or whatever, it becomes a little bit more difficult. Is it? So I'm in, not massively rural, but I'm in a small market town in Wiltshire. Am I going to be able to find something, I guess, that I can ideally walk to or is near a train station or, you know, because if I don't have a car, you know, if I can drive to it, it seems pointless that I'm renting a car. Yeah, that is a great question. So we have to start the business where there's, there's critical mass. Yeah. So the natural place for us to start would be in cities. And that's exactly what we did do. So Bristol was the first launch city for us. 
And I guess Bristol was exciting because they're very sustainability-minded, mm. green. They're, they're, they're a very collegiate um, uh, community there. So I think when you get things moving, they support the movement effectively. But then we also launched Manchester, um, Birmingham, Coventry. Coventry was with the, the council. They have a mobility credit scheme, and they said that if you were to sell your car and not buy a new one again, they'd give you a, a bunch of credits, thousands of pounds worth of credits to use on buses, trains, and on car share. So that was an interesting concept in Coventry, the council back system. We launched in Leeds as well, where the Leeds council are paying for the installation of the boxes um, for Eurostix compliant cars. So they're sponsoring you know, the growth of that in Leeds. And then London was the other city we launched in. Um, so that's obviously, we just grow. We've had, I guess, six, seven, 650 cars signed up. They're not all there because throughout COVID, there were many people who joined because they were literally on furlough at home and not using their car at all. And then they realized that after the, that scheme had finished, change jobs, need my car. So there was a bit of a bit of attrition. So we've got about 500 cars live now on the platform, and, and but they're generating some great choices for other people who live nearby um, to rent cars. But back to your point about whether it's kind of um, urban, suburban, rural, or kind of really rural, um, we've also got smaller schemes. So Strathen is a tiny community just south, 20 miles south of Glasgow, seven and a half thousand residents in the community, and they, they're very sustainability-minded. There's grants in the Scottish government that can be provided to, to, to support vehicles to be shared. So they've been very clever and very smart about using that those grants to acquire vehicles. I think they've now got four or five cars that they share within that community. They just put a van on as well. So back to that garage in the garage of cars in your pocket, small car, medium car, SUV type car, family car, and a van. You know, what, what more do you want, really? If you want to access cars occasionally, but have them for different needs, they're building like a micro community in Strathen, the same way we're building These are vehicles, um, vehicles that the community group have bought rather than being owned by separate people within the community. These are sort of like um, people might be familiar with the idea of like car clubs. So this is a little bit yes. like that, is it? So that they've got four or five cars that they can use as a community and anybody within that community can access those cars. That's right. So they're building it like a little business there, oh. um, effectively, like a car club, but it's enabled through the car share platform. So we provide all those, the I guess, the technology to enable how yes. we explain the renters would access it and how the cars are shared. Um, but there are other people, I think there are other communities that would, that would operate similar things that you could do that within your own community. Mm. Um, and I think the extension of that is where certain people in small villages may wish to share their cars, but only within the village. Right. Let's say. So having them open to everyone to come in and rent ad infinitum. We're moving to also help support what we call closed user groups. So this is where residents club together i'm happy to share my car you share your car there's eight or ten of them but they would say but only to the people in and around this area these postcodes or this district um so that's another way of actually creating smaller groups who want to share together but that's as far as they want to go and actually we don't mind because ultimately the more cars that are shared in whatever capacity either it's a global anyone can access or local it's closed the less cars we need on the streets to support our own needs so yeah. I think it works everywhere. So it can, it can work in bigger cities. It can work in smaller locations and it can work in different, di different derivations in smaller locations. And I think we have to just work out what's best for each of those communities because we want to support them all. Yes. Yeah. So as a, you know, with the sort of other hat on as a car owner, do I need like a box inside my car to recognize, to do the phone recognition unlocky thing? Like, how does that work? I love the way that's the unlocky thing. <laughs> <laughs> I did say it's, I wasn't yeah. very good at tech. <laughs> so, no, well, you explained it in the way we would explain it, exactly that. So that's that's a, a great way to look at it. 
we, we basically take a spare key and we then use that spare key to create a, a digital box, which is the unlocky thing. So that digital box we then put back into the car um, and it's plugged into a, into a port which already exists. So it's like, it's like a USB stick going into your computer. Right. We plug that box into the car. So that port exists. And that is, I suppose, what we call the digital receiver. So the, the, the kind of key or the, or the blade is your phone and the receiver is like the barrel, effectively. Right, so yeah. when the booking is made, the digital key, which is fully encrypted, is put onto that box and put onto the phone. And when the renter gets next to the car, the Bluetooth, so it doesn't rely on phone signals, Bluetooth will connect to the box and say, I recognize this key. Let's do a digital handshake. Um, let's do the facial recognition now. It's unlock the car. So that's how it works effectively. And the lovely thing is it takes only about half an hour to put the box in the car. So the, I guess the time, the real time is that getting the key, the spare key, and then building that box. It doesn't take a long time, but I guess it's the process of getting the key, building the box, and getting the box. So do I have to like post that to you and then you guys do the magic and somebody comes and installs it? Or how does that work? So we, we, tend, uh, we have teams of people, community managers, who go and meet you as owners. And they come, they, they meet you because I think it's part of the relationship we build with you. You're an important um, partner, partnering with Carshow and our community. So we, we do, we take the key from you and do that post of stuff for you, basically. But I think it forms that relationship and bond. So then, you know, we, we, it's important you understand how we do these things. And then subsequent to that, when we do the installation, another team member who, who does the technical stuff will come back and help with the installation there. So there's two contacts you have with Carshow. And then over time, if you think about the airports, if we get that sharing again at the airports, which we're launching later this year, we could do that all through the airport. So you go away, you've already chosen to share your car. We talked to you about doing from home. We asked you to bring in your spare key, do all the technology when you're around holiday. When you go back, you drive your car back to your house and and tomorrow it could be renting off your driveway. So that's how it can work in in a more efficient um, style. But we'll do both effectively. But we think it's important right now to build relationships with owners and to go and pick up the key on their behalf. Mm. So I decided that I want to do this and I was, I was having a nose around the website. That stat around, you know, the majority of cars are sat around for 96% of the time. And I sort of look outside and I basically use our car. Well, we, we use it much more than this in the holidays and things, but like at the moment, once a day for, to get to the bus stop and back for, <laughs> for my child on a, on a road that's not safe to cycle on. But I, but I got the impression I could only rent out by the day. So I couldn't say, well, you can have it between 10 and 4. Could I do that? Or do people just, do they, do they have it like for whole days? So you can choose when you, you, you want to limit your availability. So if you wanted to say, I need to limit my availability for two hours every morning between 8 and 10 because I, right. I do the bus stop, then we'll take those hours out. So then effectively, someone can rent your car from 10 o'clock till, till midnight or, or yeah. the time of the morning. Um, so that's absolutely possible. Um, and it's then trying to find people who need to use casual short durations to do things, whether it's popping to Ikea or popping to, to take something to somebody that they can't carry on a, on a bus. So those things are absolutely possible. The strange thing is, is that we know that the, the blocks of time work better when there's more chunks of availability. Um, but it doesn't mean to say they can't do short durations. So obviously you can do that. Yes. And it would work. But it's um, more like, we, so if we're going away, exactly as you were saying with the airport, but we're not, we're going away, but not via an airport, but our car's going to be sat for two weeks on the drive. That's, yes. that's more likely the situation where somebody could have access to our car for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the, the honest appraisal is, is that, you know, we want everyone to be able to share their capacity because it helps others to access it and they don't need cars. If you think about, if you take an hour out of an availability every, every day and then, or two hours, whatever it ties to be, 
those that are searching between here and two different times, as soon as that block of unavailability gets in the way, they won't see your car. So they've got to be pinpointing the right time to search us, which will mi minimize how often your car is seen. That doesn't mean to say it can't work either. Those, those things can work. We just have to sort of drive more kind of local demand for short durations. But that's where I think the owner comes into it. And this is the best part of it because, because I think we, we can do a lot of things to generate awareness and availability. But you will know people around you. So look, I'm putting my car on the platform. For those of you that I know, it's going to be available from 10 o'clock till 8 o'clock in the evening every day of the week. If you don't want to own a car and save yourself £5,000 a year, but you want to access cars like mine to go to do things occasionally that you need to do, why not consider this? And I think that's the wonderful thing about the grassroots nature of these businesses, that you know, they work really well by us creating this kind of ecosystem and the platform to, in, to enable the sharing, but they work even better when the community gets behind it as well. Yeah. Um, so, so, so what to, do most people use it for? Is it for the sort of, I don't know, two weeks holiday, or is it for the, like you say, the trip to Ikea? The average duration is about two and a half days. Okay. Which means that some are taking it for two weeks and some are taking it for three yes. hours. Um, so we, we can, you can rent by the hour. So importantly to answer your question, you can rent by the hour or by as much as you want, really, up to as long as owners have their cars available. So the ones, I guess the maximum rental duration is dependent on whether this car is always available. I can put it on the platform and you can book it for three weeks. So there are certain owners that do that. They have cars available all the time. They're not too fussed about what they're doing with it. And if it's booked, it's booked. So and people are using those for a variety of things. I mean, there's definitely like weekend trips is a good one. Get out of the city. Um, to go places, see things, see people. Um, there's special occasions. So we've got, we've got some very nice cars on the platform that people want to take for weddings or for, for taking partners to, you know, weekends away or, you know, special occasions of that regard. Um, we have people who use the cars sometimes for their work. So a typical consultant maybe needs a car for their, for work, but they don't want to get a four year lease and have to pay every month indefinitely because their, their job might change. It might be a different location. So they choose to take a car from car share for two, three weeks at a time because it's cost effective and it's not like they have to do it forever. So those people use cars. It might be that some people's work um, has work for three days and they're driving from Manchester to London. They, they want a comfortable car to drive in. Um, so they just choose a car that gives them comfort as opposed to one that will rattle. And, and some owners actually own cars. So I, they might have a little, a little Fiesta, let's say again, but they need a bigger car to do something. They want to take their family to the Lake District. So they'll get an SUV from the platform. So there's a lot of variety of needs. Um, so everyday cars, special occasion cars, substitution cars, uh, or I don't have a car, but I get any of these cars whenever I need them. Yeah. And how does it compare cost-wise too? Because I was just thinking one of the reasons we've got one of our cars is because it's capable of towing the caravan, but we don't need a car that's capable, you know, that's using up that much fuel all the time. So potentially we could get a much smaller car and just hire a car for two weeks a year or whatever when we're so like how would that compare than if I went to a traditional car rental place is that cheaper for me more convenient how does that compare we would always be a lot cheaper um and I say that because I think that if you look at car rental how it works is they have a booked price that you book online and then they have what's called a counter price so you get there and you have all these extras and I think we're all used to having these extra charges the simple ones are drivers or sat navs but insurance success pay up front for a full tank of fuel and bring it back empty. I mean, that's the biggest kind of joke I've ever heard is how do you bring a, a tank back empty? You just drive it around till it stops running. So they're always going to make money out of that, aren't they? You, you never bring it back empty, but they're all ways of making money. But nonetheless, they encourage you to, here's a bigger car, here's a better car, your car isn't ready type conversation. So they're trying to offer you different things based on what your booking is. And you tend to pay up to three times more. 
So that's the first thing. Then then you, what you book. Right now, the supply is very tight because of all the problems around the world. Um, you know, there's a whole myriad of problems. Supply chain, there was COVID, there's transponders. There was not transponders, there was microchips stuck in China. And then Ukraine is, is exacerbated all that. So there isn't a lot of rental cars um, around right now. So the prices are probably three times more than they were last year to book a car. So if you try and book a rental car today because there's a, a shrinkage of, of the supply, the prices are much more expensive. So that's the price side of it. So then go back to the kind of, you said convenience and choice. So so you can't, on car rental business, you have to go to a depot probably or a location, train station or a local area where you have to then book this car or similar. So you don't know what you're getting. You have to queue and you have to go there. And you have to go between the hours of their operations. So 10 till 6, not open on a Sunday, all those things. So think about the convenience about opening your door, walking on your out of your doorway and then going on the app and searching for cars you know, in your area. Admittedly, we're not in Wiltshire, so it doesn't work for you right now. But where we are operating in Bristol, for example, you have this great choice of cars that you can choose the exact car you want. There are no hidden extras. You can walk up to it and open it any any time you would like to. You're in control. So you avoid all that fuss and all that problem of queuing and not knowing what you're getting, you know, around the corner from where you live. And we think that's that's a huge attractive proposition to anybody really, you know, because they're in charge. You know, they don't have to be a um, servant to a counter, extra sales, other other charges. You know, what you book and what you pay for is exactly what you need. And that's what we're going to give you. So I think that whole draw of sort of very local options where I live, that I can walk into without anybody getting in the way is, is a massive, attractive um, part of the proposition for renters. Yeah. Um, to avoiding all that unnecessary queuing and hassle and stress and extra charges that you, you don't know what you're going to get charged for. And mm. most of all, you don't know what you're going to drive. Um, and that's the, that's the bit I like. And I think the bit that goes beyond there is that this is someone's car. So when you have an ability to give, give someone your car, much like the way Airbnb has evolved, is I want you to have a good experience. So you can imagine, you know, you, you rent someone's car and they just send you a message saying, listen, Jen, what's your favorite radio stations? I can preset the radio stations now for you. So when you get in the car, you've got your, you've got your top six. You know, in the history of car rental, how many decades? They've never done that for anybody. And when you do peer-to-peer, you can take service so much further than, than they will ever be able to do it. Now, not everyone will do that, of course, but you've still got the exact car. It's still really close to where you live. You're still walking up to it and accessing it with your phone. Because I was just cool- thinking the other way, like what if I rock up and I get in this car and someone's been smoking in it and there's dog hair all over the seats and there's crisp packets in the footwell? Like, is there a certain condition that it has to be in in order to be able to be rented out? Yeah, so so there are obliga- in these types of systems, and just like Airbnb and others, there is an obligation by both sides of that that I guess the, the community, so those that have the the, the 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 supply, the house, the car, and those that rent it. And if it's not what it needs to be, there is a star rating system. So if my if I leave my car always with Chris packets in, smelling a smoking dog hair, and Jim rents it, Andy rents it, and Peter rents it, and after three rentals, it's got three one star reviews. It's almost like this car will never get rented again. And when you go on the platform and you see the, the reviews, it's ironic actually because when new cars come on the platform, they've got no reviews. Um, the conversion of those cars, like booking-wise, is half that of cars with stars on. And it's not because it's a bad car. It's because people naturally look at cars that have ratings. What's the score? How many rentals have they had? That looks like a solid car. That car, why has that car got no ratings on it? So we've now put new car just added to say, and that's why. So it's amazing how the behavior even through the platform, you have to observe. But but that's how it works, effectively. So, I mean, if there are serial um, bad community owners, we just have to kick them off the platform. They don't really fulfill it. And 
And sometimes we find that out, unfortunately, for a renter. We'll always compensate the renter, absolutely, because we want them to have a good experience and we'll always manage that with the owner. So over the course of time, everything becomes great and good. But inevitably, there will be the occasion where something's happened and, and you know, we have to just manage through that. But I think it's how we respond at the time as opposed to guaranteeing it's all going to be perfect. Yeah. Because even, even a car rental is not perfect. Yeah. And conversely, there's the, oh, my God, I'm like letting some random person I've never met before come and rent my car and ah like what if they trash it what if they don't bring it back what if you know people I guess that's quite a big barrier for people isn't it yeah I, th- I think there are definitely people who, who just think it's just a car mm. so when we were sharing cars at airports which is where we started we were amazed by the amount of big family SUVs like the BMW X5s the Volvo XC90s um, any type of SUVs a huge amount of them were just being shared on the platform, which is great because there were, no, there were none of those available through Avis and Hertz. We had loads of them, so we, we couldn't stop renting them. Um, and they said, look, I've got teenagers who chew chewing gum, who stick it on the seat. I've got kids who leave crisps in the back seat and sausage rolls. And, and so their car is just a, I wouldn't call it a, a tip, but it, it's generally just, it's just a car. So people tend to be over that essence. Um, and then it's, when they, when they think that way, they don't worry about it. There are others who think, if someone's driving my car, what if, as you suggest? And we say, well, look, there's lots of things we do on our platform that are unique to car share that help owners get over the hurdle. So obviously we have insurance and roadside assistance. We know where the car is at any point in time. So we, we track the cars because all the keyless technology in the car, we can know, we know where it is at any point in time. Um, so we can, if it's not back or there's been, you know, problems getting back, they're stuck in traffic. We can, we can assess that and we can work with the rental on those things, but it seldom happens. Um, but that's, that's one of the tools in our bag. We also have this thing called telematics in the phones, in the apps. Um, now that, think of it, I suppose, in English, Jane, like a Fitbit for the, for the driver. So for a renter, if you, you can't rent the car unless you have all of the motion sensors turned on your phone. So then we can track how you, how you drive. And then once you, when we track how you drive, we can see how fast you're driving, accelerating, braking, cornering, how long you're driving for without a break. Are you driving late at night? And are you actually texting somebody while you're driving? So, but they're all positive, positive attributes of how we're trying to help you drive safely. Because if the police stop you while you're texting on your phone whilst driving, that's six points of your license. That's it. Mm. So you can't rent from car share and you, you know, you won't be in many places. So let's help you not get into those situations by taking more care as you drive. And let's pinpoint the areas that you could improve on. So that's a really nice way to say, look, we're helping drivers to drive with care and looking after your car. So all these things are, are foundations around our proposition that give the owners more assurance. And if there are any problems, we'll just, we'll just fix it. I think that's what we have to do. We have to find out sometimes someone has a puncture. Um, they have to wait for the RSC to come out and fix the puncture. They're two hours late, you know, so that's, that's natural, but we have to manage those situations dynamically. So we've got a team of people who work to support the community as a whole who are available from 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. Just, just monitoring how things are moving. If there's a problem, we're there to fix it effectively. So that's how we manage those things, but we provide those insurances to owners. I think it's like the first, it's like the first time you do anything. You're always a bit apprehensive. And then before you know it, two or three times later, it's just, it's just habit. I go out, check the car is fine and, and everything's okay. And, and small little tips about leaving notes in your car. Hi, my name's Andy. Just to let you know this is the car. Some little things that would help you to do bits and pieces, you know, start the car, put the clutch. You have to press the clutch down, start the key. Cause sometimes it's like, why isn't it starting? Yes. Just little tips. And, and you just leave a few notes that way and, and they feel there's that attachment. And I think, you know, Everybody likes the fact that they're getting access to these cars without having to pay them. They respect the fact that they're someone's property and they want to bring them back in the same way. Because if I don't, I'll get a bad rating 
And of course, I won't be able to rent again. So yeah. all those things are kind of, you know, great model behaviors, plus the assurances and how we help to manage some renters on the other side. It gives owners a lot of confidence that we've got a really good system here that can work for them. Yeah. Now, one of the things we haven't really talked about, and like this is a podcast all about sustainability and sustainable living, is that sustainable angle to it. And it doesn't sound like, and this isn't a criticism at all, but it doesn't sound like the reason behind you starting the business was a, this is something that's going to like really contribute towards the sustainability, you know, towards moving towards a greener, cleaner future. Has that, you have sort of had your epiphany whilst you're kind of working for this um, travel management company that was just making me twitch with the with the thought of the carbon footprints of all these executives and things. But that feels like it's a big part of the conversation now. And it certainly is sort of looking at the website. Is that something that's sort of, I don't mean as an add-on, and I, but do you know, like, has that sort of become part of the conversation more recently or was, how has that all evolved? It, well, it's always been at the heart of the proposition. And it goes back to this whole mindless observation that we're wallpapering the planet with unused cars right mm. so that's got to be bad hasn't it it's bad because there's the cost involved it's bad because we're actually manufacturing all these cars and not using them it's all bad so naturally there was a there, there is a huge and if you think about we know things from researching through car club evidence and also our own evidence to some some extent now is that if you share one car you can probably get up to taking 20 others off the street so that's incredible because the, yeah. the, the, the usage of that car can support the use of 20 other people who don't know how to use cars. So you think, God, that's really powerful, right? So then we caused, yeah, we, we've embraced it differently, but trying to get owners to join the platform because they, they want to save the planet is not the only way they join. In fact, when we, when we did research right back in the day before we launched this proposition, 40% of owners said they want to do this because it makes them money. And yes, it's good. It saves the planet. Um, 30% said, I want to do it because I want to give back to my community. Um, it's nice. I can make some money. And the other 30% said, this is great. I can understand how doing this can really help to build sustainable solutions for future generations. Um, so out of those situations, 60% didn't do it as a prime driver for money, right? That's the important thing. If you look at today with the squeeze of, of finances, cost of living, but you also look at the net zero to 2030 kind of ambition, there's two colliding areas, and, and, and I think you'll know this, is that the overriding piece would always be, I need to make more money. Now, the lovely thing about this proposition is, that's fine, you can make more money, and you can really help save the planet too. Um, so we've, we're, we're constantly trying to reinforce the sustainability angle, um, because it's, a, it's at the key fulcrum of how this business is, why this business exists. You know, we, we, we exist, the purpose is really to drive a future where we never have more cars than we need, and to drive the, the, the power to net zero by enabling people to, to access cars by owning them. So it is absolutely about the purpose of the business. And if you go down to, so here are some facts that we've pulled together, um, which I think you, you might like. In terms of carbon dioxide production for the UK, and, and I'm not sure if these are quotable. I mean, they're from websites, but 2020 UK CO2 commissions, about 405 or 406 million tonnes of carbon dioxide the UK produced. Um, I think 2019 was more, 454. So obviously we had a, a lot less through COVID. So mm. 450 million is roughly where it is. 32 million cars or thereabouts in the UK. So when we were at the airports and we were sharing cars, um, we got to a point just before COVID where one in 50 customers who were parking their cars and seeing stay, short stay, valet parking, and then seeing this crazy thing called rent and earn, which was our product. It was just different because we had to make it stand out for a weird reason. One in 50, so 2% of, of 
car parking customers were booking it. That doesn't sound a lot, but 2% is massive. Like, impulsively, I'm going to park my car, and all of a sudden, one of you says, yeah, I'll share it, I'll share it. It's like, wow. So then if you translate that to if 2% of the car owners in the UK shared their cars, so that's about 620,000 vehicles, you know, bear in mind we're at 500 or so, and you know, across the UK is about, there's about 15 or maybe 1,000 or less in all the, all the propositions. But 620,000 is kind of where we want to get to. And they could take 20 cars each off the road. Let's go to the max, let's go to the max of the max. That would reduce cars from 31 million to, um, um, it would take 12 million cars off the streets. 12 million. Now, 12 million cars, each car on average takes about seven tons of carbon to produce. A big SUV is much, much smaller. Small car is much smaller, but that's the average. And there are again stats that we have on there from, from different um, papers that we've read. But that would, I suppose, if you think about it, it'd take, if you don't produce those cars at all, you have to mm. replace them. That's 90 million tons of carbon, which is 22% of the UK's production in a year. Yeah. So it, it can make a massive difference. So that's the first thing, right? The second thing is if people actually do this and actively want to participate, which is what they are doing, they, like you just said about how you're going to organize your time with your car, I only need it for these two hours. So what that means is you're not going to use it for the other period of time. You've now committed to do that. And that means that people who share cars pop less to the shops. Yes. Pop less here, pop less there. You know, we have got so inactive as a population. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not demonizing everybody, but even with the, these new hyper local grocery deliveries, you know, if you want a pint of milk and a loaf of bread in 15 minutes, call one of these companies like, really? Why can't you walk down the road? Yes. So that I think is probably something that's driving less activity. But if we can get more active and walk places that we, we got too lazy to do in a car, we don't use the car as much. Massive tick because my car's being shared now. On the same token, those that need the cars, who want to share the cars, um, they only do so because they, they're for proper reasons, to go somewhere, see somebody, take some something somewhere. Um, I'm not going to rent a car to go and get a pint of milk. Yes. So the overall trips across the ecosystem reduce because people aren't popping popping around everywhere. So that's the second thing. The third thing, if, if we took 12 million cars off the streets, let's say almost half of them, imagine how empty the streets would be. And 25% of all the pollution in cities is because it takes, on average, someone 21 minutes to find a parking space because there's nowhere to park the cars these days, right? No way. Yeah, well, I don't know. Where, I mean, there's loads of stats in loads of places, but they know that congestion is, 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 is exacerbated by the lack of parking space. You know, everyone's moving into cities, more urbanization. There's more blocks of flats going up. I don't see more streets and park up parking spaces around. It just, it's not sustainable, is it? You have to think of a different way. So, so we've got to share cars in order to sort of create more space for us to live better and park the cars we have got. But it would be wonderful if you repurposed half the street. Imagine tramways or roadways or runways. Go to Copenhagen, you know, you get a view of what, what that's like. That's a real positive, a really positive way to view a city of the future. Now, it's going to take a lot of effort to get there. But we believe that car sharing is a, is a strong supporting component of enabling it to happen. Yeah. And interestingly, so I was... Sorry, I was I was listening to um, Deborah Meaden had a, a podcast series on Radio Five, and she was interviewing I think it's the boss of Vauxhall and talking to him about um, cars and sort of the future of cars, I guess. And he was saying that that that's the kind of model that they think we are going to be moving towards is that in ten years' time, not every, the expectation won't be that everybody owns a car; the expectation will be that everybody has access to a car. And I just thought, wow, that's 
you know, if somebody whose whose job, whose business is reliant on selling more cars to more people, the fact that they're thinking this is the way it's going was quite powerful, I thought. Well, they they would be quoted by saying 50% of owners today won't own a car in 10 years. Wow. 50%. But the clever thing is, and the ones that are thinking as he is, is that we want to be part of that access model. So how do we create a mobility solution that allows people to, to buy and share and access cars? And we're thinking, well, that's what we're doing. So, so work with us to do it. Because ultimately, if you want a Vauxhall, you don't have to go on Vauxhall.com to share Vauxhall. And you want to go on Mini to do that and BMW and VW. You want a system that allows you to access all the cars in one place. And that's what we're determined to do, to create, to, to create the leading platform that makes it easy for owners to do it and makes it possible for all renters to access one. Do you think this helps with the... The transition to EVs as well in that the reason, I think, I don't know if this stat is correct. I'm sure I remember somebody saying that about 50% of people don't have access to off-road parking. And so yeah. that's one of the issues with, um, you know, electrification of, uh, you know, moving to having all electric cars. But actually, if, yeah. if the people that do have access to off-road parking and that are able to have an EV have an EV, but then other people are able to access that, that helps with that problem potentially yeah i suspect that the access to off, off-road parking is more like 80 percent don't have it or even wow. more i mean you just have to look around about where where parking spaces are and you know houses and terrace streets and there's no just a street of cars but um yeah so so we're not going to speed up the ev um process but we can of course support the sharing of evs and of course evs are more expensive if you share an ev becomes more more cost effective more affordable so offset the char- offset the cost of the ownership of the EV car by sharing it for a number of days, 15 days a month. Have it for the days you need it, but then it becomes a free car for you and a, and a very great usable car for others. So that's a big tick. The charging infrastructure is absolutely one of the, the challenges that needs to be overcome, and it will be overcome in time. Um, but as you suggest, there are already peer-to-peer charging platforms. It says, I've got an EV with a driveway. Yes. Um, yeah, so you can charge them on my driveway. So actually, um, so you, can, you can be renting out your EV, and then while your EV is not in your driveway, you can be renting out your electric car yeah. charger. So complete win-win. Win. <laughs> so, so that that's already happening, and it's like, and so there's there's lots of solutions that are building, but again, they're all fairly embryonic, and you need mass infrastructure to enable EVs to go. Because obviously, number one, we rather every journey is done in a shared car where journeys are important, but you need owners to own cars to share. So they can't all be done in a shared car, but we want, if, if you need, if you need a car, do it in a shared car. Cause as an owner, I share my car as a renter, I'm taking a shared car. And ideally over time, you know, imagine by 2030, we could say by 2030, 50% of our shared cars are EVs. That will only be possible if the infrastructure supports people's anxiety or, or capability to charge those things and to know how to do it. And all that's speeding up, all that's getting better, but you know, people don't, We've got EVs on the platform. They, they, some rent well, um, but some don't rent as well because people have this, these anxieties about where do I fill it up or charge it up and how long does it take and what happens if I run out of, of charge? It's, it's a nightmare. Mm. I mean, you, can't, you can carry a Beely can of five litres of petrol to a car if you run out of fuel. We've all done it. Well, I've turned it out of time. <laughs> yeah. you, can't take a spare, you, can't, you can't really get a spare battery very easily. And to, to get the RAC have got you know, capabilities to boost charges on cars, but once they're dead, they're dead. You can't even push the thing. They're just locked down. So they become very disabled as Andy, cars. you're not helping here. Come on, we need to be encouraging people to be <laughs> But that's the point. It's like, well look, you don't run out you don't run out of juice, do you? That's what people are worried about. Yes. So yeah, I can look, I agree. I mean we've got we have got in fact two of two of the guys on the team have got EVs and so we're living the dream effectively. Um I mean the other benefits, they're so much cheaper to run. 
you know, a tank of petrol these days is 80 quid. You fill up your yeah. car with electricity, it's 25 quid. It's like, well, okay, that's a quarter of the cost. Mm. So there's a, there's a load of reasons why you want to do EVs right now, 100%. You know, you know, I just wish the government would give us like five grand each to go and buy one. Where's yes. the grant? Where's the support? Where's the, you know, where's all that stuff? You know, we've got the scrappy schemes for diesel, diesel things. But where's the, where's the other angle? And other countries, I think, are seeing such a strong growth in EVs. But nonetheless, I would say that EVs are growing more rapidly. I, I think they've grown more in this last quarter than they've ever yes. grown. And every every manufacturer now has them. You know, once upon a time it was Tesla, then it was like a, a couple of Hyundai's. Now it's everything. So you know, the choice is, is growing and it will grow even further. The, the charging speed will will increase. Everything about it is going in the right direction. So I think you know, in a couple of years' time, we'll see far more on our platform and far more in the UK. Yeah. So if somebody's listening and they think that sounds awesome, obviously if they're in one of the, just can you just run through the cities again where you're active at the moment? Yeah, so Bristol, Manchester, Birmingham, Coventry, Leeds, and London. Um, so yeah, that's where we're active. So we've got we're building, and we're we're not looking to expand into other cities at this point in time. We want to make sure there's great solutions and and options for for owners and renters like in those cities. And it's good for us to build build ahead of steam. But we will be expanding beyond April next year. But nonetheless, we are still setting up smaller structures where there are community-based or smaller communities who want to share cars together. We, we, we just, we are a platform. And if they can help support by getting their own cars and their community renters around it, then there's nothing stopping them. So, so there's no real cap on where we're going right now. It's just launching a, a city is, is, is a bit different. So there might be people listening who are involved in like a local transition down project or have a sustainability group within their town and. Um, they would be able to get in touch with you and say, look, we've got a group of 30, 50, 100, 300 people who might be interested in coming together to form a, a closed group. Yeah. Can, is that right? They just can just get in touch with you and start the conversation. 100%. Yeah, we're doing that. So there's a place in the Lake District we're doing it. Um, there's two other places we're looking at right now enabling it. And that's exactly, they, they tend to be sustainability led, just mm. like yourself. So they care a lot about the, the environment. They realize there's a good opportunity here to create an asset that can be shared. And then it's about saying, well, how do we get the assets? Are they privately owned? As in, we t- together can put our cars on, or do we have to find a way to, to fund the car? Or do we do a hybrid and get both? Yes. Um, so, yes, yeah, so there are there are definitely different routes. And, and absolutely, if people want to do that, then come on to car, and car share. And it's car share with a K. That's the one thing I forgot to say. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> It stands out like a kicking K car share, but um, yeah, but absolutely get in touch. We'd love to talk to more people. About and you it. guys do all the headachey admin stuff with sorting out like the insurance and like you said, the the keyless thingies and all that. So you literally just have to kind of bring this group of people together and and yeah. facilitate them using it, I guess. Yeah, so we we have yeah everything you said: insurance, um, roadside assistance, the platform, all the checks that are done vis-a-vis owners and cars. And then the whole platform that enables that keyless technology to be installed and then the car rented using a mobile phone. Amazing. Brilliant. You probably get asked this all the time, but was the name change anything to do with the TV program or? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny with Peter Kay, the car share. Yeah. Um, it, I, well, Car and Away was always a bit of a dream name. And we, 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 we built that name. And is that based on Home and Away? Well, far away, car away, getting a car and drive away. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's a lot of different ways. I think it was just a nice, catchy car and away, far and away, all those things. Um, and it, it worked because you left your car and you got away or, or you got in a car and you got away. But when you, when you break it down, unfortunately, the car ampersand away doesn't work 
kind of if you want to expand into Europe, the app is really badly optimized for any web content, and oh, it's just okay. a, bit of a cl- it's a clumsy it's a clumsy bit bit of uh, a name. So we reflected on there, and 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 then we we found that we could we had car share, and the car share with the C had already gone to a massive Uber equivalent in America. They don't use it now because they're called Lyft. Uh, but it's dead. But then we found car. We thought actually car share is great because if you have a car with a C, it's one you own on your own. But why don't we have a car with a K? Well, we define it. So that's a car you share. So I think it does what it says on the tin. It sounds the same. And and, and if people can reflect on what they're doing and and see our brand, I think it worked really well together. So that's that's the change really. It wasn't quite Peter K that got us there. <laughs> you want to get him on your advertising campaign, don't you? <laughs> well, you, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a, a, a silly idea. I mean, he could do wonders. I'm sure. Yeah. If he's up for doing it. But yeah, that would be brilliant if, if we could make contact and get to endorse it that way. Amazing. Um, so you said April next year, you're sort of looking to expand out into some other um, locations. And then yeah. is is that your sort of your dream goal? Is that I think you said 620, you know, 2% of cars are on the yeah, platform. So- is that where you want to get to? 620,000 is going to take us some time. Mm. Um, so that uh, that's an illustration of what what it could do. Um, in a really positive sense for sort of supporting a big sustainability change mm. in the UK. And, and, and if I'm being honest, you don't need that many cars to be shared to make this really work in the UK. Um, I mean, you think about Zipcar, who have been around for 20 years as a business and they've been in the UK under different derivatives since 2013. They've only got about three and a half thousand cars in the UK themselves. Um, so the thing, the point of us going up to 600,000 is because we can, because mm. they're privately owned cars and we are enabling them to be shared. So that's the really exciting part. We've got really strong ambitions to make the community work successfully across the UK over the next two to three years and expand across the UK. And then beyond that point, we really believe if we can make it work here and, and build a really successful community together, that there's, there's places in Europe where this would work equally as well. So I think we'd look to do that if we have the opportunity to expand uh, into Europe. That's exactly what we, we choose to do. But we've got to we've got to make it work brilliantly here first, and this is you know where where we're best to prove that that concept. I think we know the product fits the market. We know through the growth, even I mean we're growing so rapidly right now, but in a nice controlled way. Um, so more people are joining, more renters are renting. Um, I suppose we are ten times bigger this time this year than we were last year. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Of course, every business has to start from somewhere. And of course, that growth is off a small number, but it, it's still big growth um, and not in significant numbers now. So we're really excited about how it's developing. And, and this, there's a lot for us to be excited about, but a lot more for us to do. So I think we're humble with where we are. And we believe that we can we can continue to grow and make this a really successful proposition, more importantly for the communities, because they're the heroes making it work. We are just the enabler. Yeah, no, it's exciting. It's really exciting. And I think it you know, it feels like lots of things are kind of aligning to to make this something that people are more aware of, more wanting to do, you know, and, and to make the, the fact that there's technology exists and all those sorts of things mean that, uh, and I think more and more people are, A, the cost of owning a car, but B, the environmental impact is becoming something that more and more people are thinking about. So, it, yeah, it feels a little bit like a, hopefully a perfect storm for you. Yes. Yeah. Well, we, we always, we, you always need a bit of luck in anything you do. And so like right now where those things are, are kind of bearing down on people, it makes them think or consider that sharing is an option to help. You know. Yeah. So I wasn't suggesting for anybody listening that it's a perfect storm that the cost of living is as horrific as it is at the moment. <laughs> Just to... <laughs> <laughs> um, no. yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, but perfect storms align. I think I think the stars are aligning yes. in many ways. They say technology is coming together. Um, more people are, are seeing that, you know, 
everything is starting to, to drive a reason for why this is this is a good thing for people to do. Yeah, and I guess the fact that um, you you sort of referenced Airbnb, and and as more and more people are using that, and I know it has some criticisms associated with it in the, in the way that it's grown and things, but people are becoming more used to that sharing model, and I think certainly younger people thinking about things like um, tool libraries and sharing libraries and things like that are becoming much more just like that's the normal thing to do is to have access to something rather than to own it. And so it makes sense that that would spill out into cars as well. Yeah, I think cars is genuinely a, always going to be a positive. So without getting into the, kind of the, the the questions about Airbnb, which I still think is, I mean, a lot of the, their sharing is still single occupancy. It's still very positive, but it's not like people putting others out of homes. We're car sharing as well. We're never going to put people out of cars. Uh, in fact, what we're saying is the cars, you know, a home is used probably 95% of the time and has a spare mm. for two weeks in, in the summer, like you said at the start, right? Um, a car is the complete opposite. It's just basically not used and it's bonkers. And what we're saying is we could do, we could do so much by enabling people to use all the available capacity, which means that half of the people don't have to own cars. And that's the, that's the big difference. It's about making people see that they can share and access the, what is already massively available capacity in a very seldomly used car that sits idle most of its life. So I think that's, that's the difference for us. I think we're excited because that is absolutely true. There's no denying those facts. And all we're trying to create is this awareness of it being possible and making it kind of possible for people to do in a safe and community-driven way where everyone, everyone feels that they're benefiting. And that's exactly what we're growing. Brilliant. Probably the hardest question, just to finish up on, is can you remember all your links to all your to the website and to all your socials if people want to come and follow you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will put them on the show notes. I, so I, I think so so I, I so the hashtags I think are the most of them are just um at car share. Okay. Some are at some are at car share underscore UK. So I think with a K. Is at car share. Yeah, car share with a K. So Facebook, Instagram, at car share, sometimes underscore UK. Um, but and Twitter, the same, um, LinkedIn. Yes, yeah, so all the socials there. Are, I, I, we can we can give them to you. So you can yeah, no, that's it. fine. I'll put them in the show notes. And it's is it carshare.com, the website? Yeah, carshare.com. Yeah, so that's the Brilliant. easiest one to remember. And then we'll be able to, to link out to everything from that. Fabulous. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure speaking with you, actually. Really enjoyed that. Brilliant. You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.